UTL Radio welcomes you to this episode of Understanding Business, a weekly radio program focused around business and personal development topics. The program is hosted by nationally recognized business attorney Peter Lamont and is a service of the law offices of Peter J. Lamont and Associates. As always, we welcome input and feedback from you, the listener, and we encourage you to join in the conversation by calling the live program at 347-855-8831 or by contacting us via our social media sites. Links to our various sites are listed on our main website, utlradio.com. Please note that this broadcast does not constitute legal advice and does not create an attorney-client relationship with any of our listeners. And now, your host, Peter Lamont. Well, welcome and thanks for joining us for this edition of Understanding Business. Today we've got a great show. We've got special guest Captain Lee Rossback. Uh, Captain Lee is the star of Broadway's hit reality show, Below Deck. He's also a licensed captain and he's responsible for operating some of the world's largest and most expensive yachts. You know, Captain Lee is ultimately responsible for the safety and well-being of his crew, clients, the boat, and his guests. And, you know, that can be a real daunting task that requires a total team effort. And getting a team together is not always easy. So, you know, actually, we, we actually um, polled a number of mid-sized companies here on the East Coast recently. We asked them to meet their number one challenge in business. And over 73% of them listed leadership and management as their number one problem. So today we're going to talk to Captain Lee about his management style and his leadership skills and the characteristics that make him such a successful leader. This is going to be a two-part interview, so this is going to be part one today, uh, and then we will follow up with another date for the conclusion of it. Before I introduce the captain, I just want to thank our sponsor. Today's show is sponsored by Audible, the leading provider of audiobooks on the Internet. Audible has a massive library of more than 100,000 audio programs, and they're providing our listeners with an exclusive offer just head on over to audibletrial.com forward slash UTL radio and you can download a free audio book. So the next time you charter the captain for your yachting adventure, you can take your free audio book with you. Uh, I also want to remind you that your feedback is so important because it allows us to provide you with the best guests, information, and content options. So let us know what you think of today's show and our other programs by posting on our social media pages, including Facebook, Twitter, Google+, YouTube, or by emailing us directly at info at utlradio.com. Links to all our sites um, are, are found on the main page, utlradio.com. Captain Lee, thank you so much for being here today. I really appreciate you taking the time to share your leadership and management uh, you know, strategies with our listeners. Uh, the pleasure is all mine, Peter. I'm ha- happy to be here. So uh, for those of, of you out there who follow the show Below Deck, this Tuesday was the season finale. How did you think this season went? Uh, this season presented a whole host of different problems and issues, as it does just on a regular basis in yachting. So it's uh, it's always a challenge to you know to stay prepared for everything that you know the eventualities that you know are going to pop up. You just don't know when. Well, I have to tell you, this is a very entertaining season. You have some of the best lines coming out of this season that I can remember in a while. <laughs> Yeah, it, I can. Uh, I find myself getting pretty spontaneous sometimes, and I forget that there's actually cameras rolling. And sometimes I put my mouth in the gear before the. Uh, I realize that eh, maybe I could have put that a better way. <laughs> but you know, I like it because it's you know so much of reality TV is scripted. This seems real. You seem like a real guy. You come across as being really genuine. 
Well, thanks for that, Peter. I, I, I make a concerted effort to try and keep it real because it's, uh, I think it's important for the viewers to understand that we don't operate from a script. You know, when the first set of feet hit the deck in the morning, that's when the cameras start rolling and whatever happens, happens. Right, right. Let's talk a little bit about your life pre-yachting because I think, um, you know, something that's that's interesting that most people don't know about is you didn't actually get your captain's license until you were in your mid-30s. So let's talk a little bit about what you did before yachting. That's correct. I uh, Actually, I started out working for uh, National Steel. I was in a supervisor capacity in uh, the Central Maintenance Division. And, gosh, I just I just felt that there was something a lot more out there than, you know, making that same walk into the steel mill for the next 30 years. And I, I just had a desire for more. And then I got into the restaurant business because I really enjoyed just, you know, not entertaining, but I enjoyed, you know, making people happy and having uh, that satisfaction that you get from that. And then when, uh, after spending, uh, oh, geez, probably 10 or 12 years in the restaurant industry, we, the wife and I, had probably seven or eight restaurants over the years. Some worked, some didn't. All of them were fun and experienced. Uh we moved down to the islands to open up a restaurant down there in the Turks and Caicos Islands in the island of Providenciales, which mm-hmm. most people refer to as Provo. And uh, I took a delivery just for something to do to get out on the water. And uh, I t- took a delivery. A friend of mine offered me the opportunity to go with him on a boat to deliver a sailboat down to uh, the British Virgin Islands. And when I got back, I uh, explained it away. I said, it's career change. I found out what I want to be when I grow up. Oh, that's not a bad office to have, is it? No, and I was fortunate enough to uh, to be able to make it happen. So I, I felt very, very blessed to have that opportunity and just have the stars line up just right to uh, allow me to the opportunity and to follow through with it. Right. Now, you know, you, you started off as a supervisor and in, in, you know, the management realm, what kind of training did you have, you know, management and leadership training? Did you have specific training or no? No, I didn't. But one of the, on my own, I decided I was, I found it very difficult to talk to people. And I, so I just, a friend of mine told me about a Dale Carnegie course that I took. And I just really, really was impressed with it and enjoyed it. And I guess that kind of set the stage to uh, to move on and to try to continue to better myself. And and so, you know, you get into the restaurant management, which is, that's a tough business to get into, restaurant management. Um, how, did you, how did you find that field? You know, I didn't, everyone seems to have this conception that, that the restaurant industry is so much tougher than other industries. And I really don't feel that way. I think that uh, anybody that manages to be a success in whatever field they're in, they give up their weekends, they give up their holidays, they give up their family life, they give, they sacrifice a lot. And I don't right. think the restaurant business is any different than that. I do think that uh, a lot of times, especially in the restaurant business, because there's such slim margins, that... Uh, some people don't realize that in order to make a profit, you don't have to, you know, you don't have to shortchange your employees. You don't have to have that constant turnover that uh, 
at a restaurant's experience. And I think that leads to, uh, I think personnel is what makes the restaurant business work. The personnel that you have, you know, working with you. Uh, very similar to what we have on the yachts. You can always charter any boat, but it's the crew that's going to make the difference. So you can go get a great burger at a, at a million places, but it's the atmosphere and how the people that run the restaurant and operate the restaurant and are the face of the restaurant that will ultimately determine whether you're going to go back there or not. Now, when you were doing restaurant management, were you doing the hiring and firing and training of the staff? Absolutely. My, myself and my wife. And and so how did you approach that? I mean, here you're, you're the figurative captain of the ship, and I've got tons of, of, of puns that I can go through, but I'm going to try to refrain. But you're the captain of the restaurant ship, right? And you've got all these people mm-hmm. underneath you, and they need to respect you. How did you manage that? How What was your approach? I mean, how did you go out and, and start interviewing and realizing, hey, this is a good person to keep. Let me try to you know, groom them and, and help them? How did you, how did that all come about in your mind? Well, the first thing that I would do is we had a philosophy. We paid better than anybody else in our, in our area, and not a lot, but enough to make a difference in a paycheck. We gave them, we didn't work holidays. We weren't so greedy that we had to have, you know, Giving. We had to be open Thanksgiving. We weren't open Christmas Eve. We weren't open Christmas Day. We gave the help paid vacations. We gave the help health insurance. And did it come out of our pocket, of course. But we had the same people from the day we opened the restaurant until the day we sold it. Oh, that's 90% a of them. You know, the restaurant, you said it earlier, the restaurant industry, the turnover is tremendous. So, Oh, Absolutely. Aside from giving people those benefits, which everybody loves, obviously, what do you think it was about you and managing your staff that made the difference, that made people want to stick around and stay with you? We try to make it fun. It's got to be fun. It can't be all work. Um, We would do different things. The first thing I would do is I knew every position in the restaurant. I would go wait on tables. I would go back and wash dishes. I would go work on the line and, and run the saute station or run the grilled station or run the salad station. I would trim up the meat. I knew every position in the restaurant, and if somebody got behind me, just jumped in and you helped them out. And I think that went a long way And them realizing that, you know, we're all in this together. You know, I'm the boss, but nobody ever viewed me as such. And right. I think to take that posture... Is, is not a good thing. I think you work with people, they don't work for you. You know, that's so interesting because this season on, on Below Deck, there was an episode with that slide. And, and uh, if Kelly was, was injured or, or pretending to be injured, and you got out there and actually helped put the slide up yourself. And I thought that was really interesting to see from a leadership standpoint that you're not above going in there and getting your hands dirty. Not at all. And I think that's how you earn respect, is you stand shoulder to shoulder with your crew, do what needs to be done. And if getting your hands dirty or going without sleep or whatever it takes, you need to prove to them that you're willing to step up to the plate and deal with it. Because you can't just walk in and demand respect because that doesn't happen. You earn it or you don't get it. 
Right, right. Uh, so you think that by, you know, kind of knowing what everyone else does, knowing what it takes, do you think that that builds respect in your employees or your crew that they say, hey, look, you know, Captain's not above this, and, and so he's one of us. But but then how do you maintain leadership and control where, you know, you don't want people to think that you are one of them in, in the same sense? Does that make sense to you? Absolutely. And the way that I do it is I give the crew their own space. If you notice during the show, you don't see me out socializing with the crew. I don't eat down in the crew mess, not because I'm better than that, but because the crew need their own area to vent, to bitch, to say, Jesus, the captain's really being a jerk today without fear of attribution and having me standing over their shoulder listening to it. I mean, most of the time, if you want to see a, a crew mess empty out, just have a captain walk down and sit down. And I guarantee you within a half an hour, crew mess will be totally empty and the captain will be sitting there by himself. <laughs> You know, it's it's they, they need their space. It's crowded enough as it is, right? And so you know, when you live and eat and breathe with everybody for twenty four hours a day, you need to give them room to just be themselves and to complain if they want to to each other, whatever it takes. But they they need that area. You know, one of the questions that we received because we received, oh, I, I think it's over a hundred questions for you, um, which you know we're not going to be able to get through all of them today. We'll do we'll that in in part two, but. One of the questions, because um, it's kind of an apropos, people were, were asking, "Where do you go when you know you're not in, uh, you, you're not at the helm?" Because we don't see you, you don't socialize with them, and so it's uh, funny that you mention that. So, where do you go? Do you just sit in your quarters? Yeah, my quarters are up on the bridge, and I'll I'll sit in my quarters at my desk. I'll knock out the mountains of paperwork that we that we have to do, and. Uh, Sometimes I'll just, you know, find a, a solitary spot on the boat, which isn't too difficult, and grab myself a cup of coffee, depending on the time of day, or a glass of wine, and watch the sun come up or go down, and just, you know, and just reflect. No, that's pretty nice. That's got to be good it for is. your blood pressure, it, it, right? Yes, it's. I'm a firm believer that life on the water adds years to your life. I think I need to get myself on the water. Um <laughs> You know, when when you um, when you give the crew that separation and they can see, all right, you're the captain. Uh, you know, there's there's that separation that you talked about, where you give them their space and they're going to go down and they're going to talk about you and they're going to criticize you, and you're either going to hear about it from other crew members or, in this case, because it's it's a television show, you're going to see it. So when you see people complaining about you, how does that make you feel and how do you react to that? I I don't take it personally. They're just they're just being human, uh, as we all are. And you know, humans, especially younger humans, have a tendency to you know engage their mouth before their brain's fully functioning. And you just take a lot of things into consideration. You take into consideration the day that they've had, and you know maybe it's been an extremely tough day. Maybe you know you don't know exactly what's going on in their mind. You haven't you know been there and seen it. So you, you kind of give them that space and just let them go with it. I, I don't take it personally at all. You know, I think anybody in a leadership or management position, you're going to have people underneath you, whether it's the day or whether they just don't like you to begin with, they're going to complain. 
And I think that it's so important that you, you, you can roll with the punches because if you take everything personally, you're going to have nobody working for you because everyone's going to complain at one point or another. Absolutely. And like I said, you, know, you need to put yourself in their situation. You know, Maybe they got online and got some bad news from home or their dad's going through a surgery or something and that you're totally unaware of and it affected their performance and their personality at that moment in time. So if whenever possible, you need to cut them a little bit of slack and and just roll with it. Now, you know, you talked about younger people, and, uh, you know, the crew is primarily made up of younger, younger people. Do you change your management style when you're dealing with, um, you know, adults versus younger adults, or is it way all the time? I I have a tendency to give younger adults a little more breathing room, so to speak. So just because of their inexperience and they aren't aware of what they don't know yet. Right. Uh, older people and more experienced people, I expect more out of them. You know, you should have learned something from life's lessons. And if you didn't, you know, we'll cut you a break, but up to a point. Right, right. Now, you know, what's interesting about this uh, season is that you had a cast member who didn't make it very far. He had, you know, apparently uh, not been 100% truthful on his resume and application. And that, um, there's a ton of questions about that. So let's just go through that for a second. First of all, how do you get hired? I mean, you're a captain, but how do you get hired to to, uh, captain these yachts? How does that work? I mean, from the network standpoint or just normally speaking? Just normally. Normally, you'd go through an interview process with the boat owner or the management company. Once you get into really large boats, they'll have management companies that will handle, you know, the headhunters will, you know, seek you out and say, we've got got this this yacht, and here's the program that it's going to do you think you can do, you know, you want us to put you forward for it. And you can take a general view of the of the overall program and say, yeah, I'd be willing to sit down and talk about it. And then the process moves on from there. Now check your references. Uh, one of the first, you know, they'll check with insurance companies to see whether you've had uh, any incidents or anything like that. And your past performance, go through your, you know, background check, uh, depending on the size of the vessel. And then you'll get down and maybe have a face-to-face with the owner. Sometimes it happens, sometimes it doesn't. And But you'll definitely have a face-to-face with the management company, and they'll make their recommendation, and you sit and wait and find out if you made the cut. And then so ultimately your contract is either with the owner or the management company. So that's where yes. you're getting paid, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Now, who goes and hires the crew? Not on Not on the television, but... You know, in regular life, when you go and you're going to, you know, accept a, a charter, uh, who hires the crew? That would be me. I will go through the interview process, and then it will be subject to approval from the management company or from the owner. But generally speaking, the owner will give you the responsibility and trust your judgment. If he trusts you with this 30 or $40 million yacht, then he has to have some faith that you're going to hire the people that are going to take care of his interests in a proper fashion. So you have so many components to your job that I don't think people understand because it's more than just piloting the yacht. 
I mean, you've got human resources responsibilities, management, crisis management. You've got a lot of hats that you have to wear. Yeah, um, um, having the boat, piloting the yacht is the fun part, and we don't get to, we don't get to do that enough. The rest of the stuff is where it just really gets it can get intense, and you deal with so many personalities, you deal with so many different cultures. That you know, from when you run with an international crew, you know you may be dealing with a, a Russian engineer, a, a French chef. Uh, and it just goes all the way down the line. Right. And you have to somehow get all of these people under one roof, so to speak, and all on the same page and all pulling together for a common cause. Now, do you ever stick with the same crew or, or portions of the same crew? Do you have a go-to crew, or is it new for every job that you're hired for? I have crew that I'll take with me. Usually, I like when I get on a boat, I like to start out fresh and go with people that I know that I can depend on because trust is a huge, huge factor out at sea. And I have to know that, you know, when we're doing a crossing or something and we're running 24 hours a day for the next two weeks, that, you know, that the watches are going to be covered properly, that the, the engineering responsibilities are going to be covered properly. Right. And so I like to go with people that I know. And then there's a few a few people in my, in my Rolodex that, you know, I've worked with in the past. I trust them explicitly, and they know my management style, and they like it. And so when I give them a call and I say, you know, here's the program I've got going right now, you know, can you drop what you're doing and come? And I had pretty good success with that. Now, do you do your own background checks on some of these people? Let's say it's a new hire, somebody you haven't worked with before. Do you do background checks and screenings and all that stuff for these these new new guys and girls? Yeah, we'll go through drug testing, background checks, and usually what I'll do is I'll bring them on board as a day worker, temporary help, mm-hmm. and just to observe them, see how they get along with the crew, see how they fit with the program, see if they're you know if they're conscientious, if they're hardworking. Work ethic is huge for me. I'm not I'm not a big fan of you know, an entitlement-type attitude. Right. Now, would you look at somebody new that you've never worked with before and and say, well, listen, you might not have all of the top-level skills, but you've got such a good work ethic that I'm going to take a shot with you because I can teach you the skills? Absolutely. If somebody has reasonable intelligence, you can teach them anything, I think. It's that work ethic and it's, it's the attitude that, to me, is the ultimate importance. Somebody can be the most skilled first officer in the world, and if they don't have the proper attitude and they don't have the work ethic, it's in my in my realm, it's not going to work right. for me. Now, on the show, how does that come about? Because it doesn't seem to me like you've picked these people. It seems to me like they've been cast for the show. So how does that come about? You know, when you these crews for the seasons. Yeah, that's what makes it interesting. I'll, <laughs> I will get uh, the first time I actually lay eyes on the crew is when they're walking down the dock and we're ready to board the boat. So I, I'll get resumes, but I don't have any say as to who comes, who goes, unless it boils down to a matter of safety. Yeah. And when, the network has been very, very good about that. If, as far as you know, it's my call. They understand it. They get it. 
and they've been extremely cooperative with that. Bravo's just been been great. So, I mean, I think it's really important because, right? I mean, the safety is is one of the primary concerns, and so to know that you've got the network support and that they're there, and and if you say, look, this this person is not working, going to have it back. That's a real nice thing to, to know. Yeah, they they support me. They stand behind me a hundred percent. So, and it is. It, it's a great comfort. Now, when you see these people walking down the docks, I mean, what goes through your mind? Are you like, oh my God, look at this guy, or like, you know, um, you know, some of these people that come down the docks and they're all dressed up, like, uh, like the chief then What goes through your mind? I try not to. I try to keep it a, a blank easel. I, I try not to prejudge because I've been proven wrong so many times in the past that I've just learned that you can't go there. You just you just can't. You're just setting yourself up for you know for bad things to to happen. Things right. will pear shaped really quick if you just start prejudging people. So I take it as it comes. The only time I was really really surprised was when I saw Kate, our chief stew, walking down the dock because I totally missed her. She had already walked by me, and I had my earpiece in. And one of the producers got on the radio and he goes. Lee, what are you doing? And they're like, what do you mean, what am I doing? I said, I'm waiting for my chiefs, too. He said, she just walked by you. And I whipped my head around, and I looked, and so there you have it. And <laughs> she was dressed to the nines. She looked great, but she looked like she was the, ch- the chartered guest and not the chiefs, too. So <laughs> now, I, got, I got called out pretty good on that one. <laughs> Any of the people that you've worked with during the seasons, do you have an ongoing working relationship with them where you would take them on a non-televised, um, you know, yachting? Yeah, there's 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 a few of them that I have, and it's uh, there's a fine line because I my standards I set extremely high standards, and they need to realize that you know working for me isn't a democracy. You don't get a vote, and you're going to have to rely on my experience and that I'm going to do the right thing, right. and I'm going to do my best to convince you that I've earned that respect. So now, the the the, um, the crew from from the Bravo shows. Do you manage or treat them any differently than your you know let's call them your regular crew that you'll take on regular uh, you know yachting trips? Do you treat them any differently, or is again that's your management style across the board? No, that's that's my management style across the board. I don't treat them any differently. Uh, obviously, there are some people that we've kept on just because of the time constraints, and I don't have somebody to replace them. That normally, under my policies, wouldn't be there, mm-hmm. and that's part of the way that I operate. Uh, But as far as the standards that I set and what I expect out of them and what I will get out of them um, remain the same. And sometimes you just have to approach it differently. You can't... Some people you can, you know, just give them a directive and, man, they're all over it and they get it done and they nail it. And other people, not so much. So you just have to temper it and, you know, maybe go about it a different way. 
Well, you know that's uh, that's an interesting point because uh, one of one of your crew members, Eddie, this season, there was an episode or two where you sat him down and you said to him, "Listen, you're responsible for the people underneath you, and if they screw up, I'm holding you responsible." And I could see that there might be other people in your crew that wouldn't have taken kindly to that sort of of direction. Um, so do you, are you able to say, this guy I can talk this way to, and this person, maybe I've got to dial it back a bit? Do you, does that go through your mind? Absolutely. You know, some people you can have a blunt, frank, honest conversation with, and they can deal with it. They can handle it. And other people you could try and have that same conversation with, and they'd come apart like a cheap suit. So you you have to you have to approach them differently, and uh, maybe with you know a little kinder approach and not so frank and not so honest, because some people can't handle the uh, the honest truth. You right. know, just delivered hardcore. Eddie, fortunately, and I respect him a great deal, is one of those people that I can sit down with Eddie and go, Eddie, here's how it is. You know, you're getting taken advantage of here. You need to step up to the plate and here's what I need you to do. And Eddie will just look at it with an open mind and take the appropriate action. You know, the one thing, and I know you have to run because you're traveling, the one thing I just want to ask you before we go, and then we'll, you know, schedule part two and then we can finish this up because I think it's a really great interview. You've got a lot of information to give. Um, the one thing that, that I see is um, that you really sort of command respect from people in your demeanor and your attitude. And when you're talking to somebody, there's no hesitation or lack of confidence in your delivery. Are you always confident in what you're doing? Do you have to put on an act sometimes? How does that, that, that work for you? you know, I, I think I think the uh, the confidence comes from having been there and having done it and and achieving some success with it. It hasn't always been that way. And sometimes I think you just have to work through it and be you know, just put your head down and keep going. If you if you honestly believe in what you're doing and you believe it's the right time. Right. Well Captain So as as far as faking it not exactly faking it, but Maybe being a little, you know, intrepid about it, not quite so sure, mm-hmm. but you know in the end what you're trying to accomplish, and so you just, you know, put the blinders on and go. Well, I have to tell you that when you see you on the program, I mean, there is no hesitation, and I think that, you know, a lot of the comments that we received from some of the people asking questions was, you know, how is he so confident? How does he constantly stay so level-headed? So, um, you know, I think that you come across. As, as an absolute leader, um, I know you have to go because you are traveling today. What we'll do is we will set up part two of this interview, and then we can, we can conclude and we can get to some of those questions, if that's all right with you. Outstanding. I'm looking forward to it. This has really been a pleasure for me. Well, Captain, thank you so much for being on and for taking the time. Uh, I mean, it would have been very easy for you to say you couldn't do it today because of, of you know the travel that popped up. So I really do appreciate you taking the time and calling in, and I look forward to finishing this interview with you. Thanks so much, Peter. I've enjoyed it. All right. Have a safe trip. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye. So Captain Lee, uh, I mean, really, uh, so much we can learn from him, and uh, a really nice guy, and I think that's so important because a lot of the people that are out there in today's world, especially those people who are on TV, 
you know, you you want to learn from them because they have such uh, value, but but they're so either arrogant or obnoxious that it becomes very difficult for you to actually sit down and and you know get past that exterior. So it's so nice to have someone like Captain Lee, who is uh, I mean just a nice guy, yet he's able to command this respect. He's able to handle these multi-million dollar. I mean, we're not talking about a million dollar yacht. We're talking about twenty, thirty million dollar yacht, and he's managing the crew. And, and what we don't see on the show is all that behind the scenes where when it's a regular yacht and he's hiring a crew, he is actually doing the hiring. So um, it is really something that's fascinating. And we can take a lot from this because, as I mentioned at the top of the show, the poll that we conducted of these mid-sized companies here on the East Coast, you know, 73% listed management and leadership as their number one problem. That's a pretty huge number when, you know, you're looking at the number one complaint or issue. And I think that to, to understand leadership, to understand management is something that we overlook. You know, there's thousands of books out there about management and leadership and, um, you know, all these things that you can look at. But I think the key is something that Captain Lee said. I asked him what sort of formal management training he had, and his, his answer was none, really. But what I did do is I went to a course, and I found it very helpful. And then I applied what I learned in that course to what I was doing. And that, I think, is the missing key the missing link, if you will, for so many people. You know, you go out and you read thousands of books and uh, you understand management and then you never apply any of it. So you've got this wealth of knowledge and you never apply any of it. And I think that, um, you know, I, I'm really, I have to tell you, I'm really looking forward to concluding this interview with, interview with Captain Lee because uh, there's just so much about him that we can learn from whether you are a mid-sized manager, whether you're the CEO of a, of a larger corporation. You know, this is a guy who's doing it and being successful. And, uh, you know, just uh, let, let's have a little fun here for a second. And uh, I want to play for you a clip that I think uh, is the epitome of what most mid-sized companies face. Hello, Peter. What's happening? Um... I'm going to need you to go ahead and come in tomorrow. So if you could be here around 9, that would be great. Okay? Oh, oh, and I almost forgot. Uh, I'm also going to need you to go ahead and come in on Sunday, too. Okay? We uh, lost some people this week, and uh, we need to sort of play catch-up. Thanks. And I think that that, that obviously is, is a clip from the movie Office Space, um, which, by the way, is a very, very funny movie. Um, but I think that that's what most management style is like. And, you know, it's, it's funny and you watch it, but it's funny. The movie is funny because it's true, right? You've got your workers, your, your worker bees, as, as management refers to them, and you've got a guy who is not looking out for you. He's looking out for himself. And he's the manager. And he's the leader, but he doesn't exhibit any leadership skills. And and you, you sort of juxtapose that with what Captain Lee was talking about today. When he was the manager of his restaurant, he was responsible for 
everything. And, and he knew that if he understood how to do all of the various jobs and components of the, of the business, that he would be able to gain respect from his staff because they would understand that, hey, look, this guy's actually here helping, working, not just directing. He's not a Bill Lumberg from office space. He's not going home on Friday afternoon, not coming in Saturday and Sunday, you know, and expecting you to come in. He was actually working with you. And, um, and, and how could you have respect, which is, you know, part of the movie, how do you have respect for Bill Lumberg? How do you have respect for your boss when what he says makes no sense, what he's talking about, your TPS reports and your cover sheet, it's meaningless drivel, um, and it's just rules for the sake of having rules, but it's not leadership and it's not management. You know, um, Peter Drucker, who, who is, is very famous, and, and obviously if you uh, Google him, if you don't know him, um, management consultant, and he was quoted a while ago as saying, management is doing things right and leadership is doing the right things. And I think that that's really um, a great quote. I think if you're interested in learning more about Peter Drucker, just search him up and, and see what he was doing and what his organization has carried on doing. Um, but it's really important to understand the difference between management and leadership. Either way, okay, either management or leadership, it requires you to have certain characteristics, but those characteristics must include some of the things that Captain Lee was talking about today. Compassion, you know, intelligence, a willingness to to sort of um, take risks on, on people, you know, to kind of bet on people, knowing that maybe they don't have all of the skills that you need, but they've got the right winning attitude, and you can teach them the skills, but you can't teach somebody a winning attitude. So, you need to have these characteristics and qualities. He also talked a bit about confidence and not being afraid to uh, you know, have a vision, a way that he wants things done, and then saying, listen, you've got to just do it. You've got to do it my way. And I think that where you know, we hear that saying, my way or the highway, and you think, oh, my God, what a jerk. I think that Captain Lee is saying it, my way or the highway, but people respect it because of all of the other things that he does. He gets his hands dirty. He's in there and helps. And um, you know, next time when he, when we have him back on, I want to talk a little bit more about uh, having fun because he mentioned that with respect to his restaurant, and I don't think that we see that a lot on the show. He's very stoic, and there's not a lot of fun. But every once in a while, there's this this glimmer of of humor, or he'll chuckle or laugh, and you know, it makes you laugh because there's this guy that's so serious on the show. Um, but it doesn't sound like that's really him, and we're going to talk about that next time. What I want to do for the uh, the remainder of today's show is I just want to talk briefly about leadership, and I want to go through an article uh, that was written by Ronald Riggio, Ph.D., uh, and he's a professor of leadership and organizational psychology at Claremont McKenna College. He wrote an article uh, called "What 100 Years of Research Shows About Effective Leadership," and it, it's you know a whole article that talks about well what do we really know about leadership? And I just want to go through some of the points that he makes in the article and talk about it briefly because I think it's very uh, apropos to what we talked about today with Captain Lee. So first, there's that question, right? The chicken or the egg question: Are leaders born or made? 
And um, in his opinion, in, in, in you know, Dr. Riggio's opinion, they're both, but he believes that they're more made than born. Um, he, he thinks that leadership is more of a complex, sophisticated social role versus something that you're just born with. And it's something that you, know, you can learn. And I think that he's right on with that. You know, I agree with that because, in my opinion, I don't think there is such a thing as being a born leader. I think that um, you might have certain qualities and characteristics. You might have a tremendous amount of confidence growing up as a kid that translates into adulthood and that lends itself to you being an effective leader. But confidence alone doesn't make you a good leader. Compassion alone doesn't make you a good leader. Intelligence alone does not make you a good leader. So you could be born with these traits and, and skills, but you need to take them and apply them to a leadership role. So I, I am in 100% agreement with Dr. Riggio's position that more leaders are made than born, and I think that they are made out of circumstance, right? We've heard all the success stories from people that were living in trailer parks, you know, um, Eminem, right? Whether you like him or not doesn't make a difference, but for the purpose of this discussion, the, the guy grew up in a trailer park and now, you know, has tons of money and he, he's very successful and, and, and famous. And is he a role model? You know, a lot of people will say no. Um, he, he's done a lot of things that we don't like, but we're not talking about that. I'm talking about the fact that here is a guy who was not born with much, and look at where he was able to bring himself. And that's true with a lot of um, manufacturers and uh, people like Honda, right? I don't know how many of you know the story of, of Honda, but Honda worked for, I believe it was Chrysler, and was fired, and then ultimately decided he was going to create something, and it, it came about because he was looking for a way to commute into work, and he he strapped a motorcycle, not a motorcycle, but a motor onto a bicycle. And he rode his motorized bicycle to work and then realized, hey, wait a minute, I've got an idea. Maybe I can make a motorcycle. And then it, it grew into what we now know today as Honda, which does obviously more than motorcycles. But again, a guy who had uh, tremendous obstacles to overcome in his life had been fired from jobs and was able to turn it around. So, Leadership um, is, I think, born by circumstance. And you learn leadership. You learn what works and what doesn't work. You know, Captain Lee talked about years of experience and how he's able to be that leader because of his experiences. It's not because he was born with it. I don't think there's any such thing as being born a leader. So when you hear that saying, you're a born leader, I think that's a bunch of crap. I think that you are made a leader. I think you are born with certain characteristics and qualities that may lend itself to you being a better leader, but no such thing in my, my view as a born leader. Uh, all right, so getting back to the article, Dr. Riggio wrote, uh, next thing he talks about, does leadership training work? And we just talked with Captain Lee, and he said he didn't have real formal training. He didn't go to school. He didn't get into, um, well, I don't, hold on, I misspoke. He didn't go to school to get management training. He did go to school. Um, but he didn't go for management training. He went to these other courses. And, and So it's not something where he spent 
four years educating himself on management and leadership, right? Um, his training consisted from what he said of, of a course that he went to, and he liked it and started to implement what he learned. Um, but according to Dr. Riggio's article, does leadership training work? And, the, and his position is only sometimes. Uh, there are, are certain things that can trigger events that can lead to substantial improvement in leadership ability. Uh, but for the most part, leadership development is a long-term and incremental process, and that's exactly what Captain Lee was talking about. Not something that happened overnight. His leadership evolved over, over time and over doing the same things over and over again, becoming supremely confident in what you're doing. And that's exactly what Dr. Riggio is talking about. The fact that you might go to a seminar, you might gain some knowledge, and it might help you trigger something inside of you to say, all right, this is how we're going to move forward now. But it's a learning experience. It's an evolution as opposed to here is what you do, because there is no here is what you do. That's why we do this show and we talk to so many successful people because everybody's got a different approach and a different style. And what I want you, the, the listener, to take from this is, well, what can I take from this interview? What can I glean from this uh, conversation that Peter had with you know, Captain Lee or, uh, or any of the guests that we've had? You know, Cord McCoy, what can I pull from that? And the answer is, well, you've got to listen to the interview and see what little snippet might create that spark in you that helps you, you know, evolve into a better business person, a better person, or a better leader. So if you can get one piece of information that either sparks something in you or explains something in a way that you haven't heard it before or makes you think about something in a different way, then we've been very successful. And, and that's what we're trying to do. I want to present people who have success so that we can learn from their success, right? Why recreate the wheel? Why start from scratch? Let's go to the people that know what they're doing. Let's look at what they're doing. Let's talk to them and figure out how we can apply what they've done in their lives to ours. And not everything works because there's no manual on leadership. All there is is what we can pull from people. So I think that's a really critical point, and that's what this show, the Understanding Business show, is about. What can we take from Captain Lee? This isn't a show about how can you be a better boat captain. This is a show about leadership, and that's really important for you to understand. So um, getting back to the question posed by Dr. Riggio, does leadership training work? He says sometimes I agree with that 100% because sometimes something will spark you. Sometimes you'll hear something that will make you change your focus or direction. But you cannot go to a class and learn how to be a leader, right? Could you imagine how much money these schools would make? Come in, you know, you pay $25,000, you, you come in a follower, you leave a leader, like the production line where you go in and you're a sheep and then you come out and you're, you're the shepherd. So it doesn't happen, right? And anybody that tells you that their course will do that is lying to you. So what they're doing is leading you away from your money. Okay? There's no such thing as a course that's going to teach you to be a leader. There are courses that can help you develop skills, but not going to teach you to be a leader. 
So take what you can from these interviews and these discussions and other discussions that you can find in other books and other information, but don't look for that holy grail where this is it because you need to adapt and change. You need to be able to look at a situation. You need to say, this is my, my management or leadership style. But even Captain Lee talked about the fact that with younger adults, he's going to have the same style, but maybe take a slightly different approach. Maybe with certain people, he can talk in a way that others might be offended by. And he's cognizant of that, so he'll make those changes, not to his leadership style, not to his management style, but to his uh, approach when dealing with, with a particular person. All right, so third, Dr. Riggio says, um, are there certain elements that all or most great leaders share? And he lists some of the things that we think of when we think of an effective leader. You know, effective leaders tend to be inspirational, visionary, and serve as a positive role model for their followers. But the very best leaders also care sincerely about their followers, their well-being, and their personal development. He continues and says, Great leaders also empower followers and encourage them to be creative and to take initiative. Now that's important because Captain Lee talked about restaurant and he tried to give them the with respect to salary and benefits and that sort of thing. And it's the best that he could. What he didn't say is, I was paying the best of any restaurant in the world or on the island. He didn't say I was providing the absolute best insurance coverage. What he said is he was providing the best that he could and that his his staff appreciated that. But it was more than that because how many times have you worked at a job where you've had a great benefit package or a great salary and you can't wait till 5 o'clock comes because you cannot stand your boss or your supervisor and you make that decision, right, where you say, I, I can't take it anymore. Yes, I'm leaving something good. Yes, I'm, I'm turning down a salary, and, and I'm, I'm going to have to go find another job. But I can't stand this guy so much, right? It's, it's Bill Lumberg, your worst nightmare. So regardless of what Bill Lumberg's company is going to give you in a benefits package, if you're not the person that can sit back passively and say, yes, Bill, I'll be in on Saturday and Sunday, well, you're not going to be happy there. I don't care what he's giving you, right? He can give you a red swing line stapler, and you're still not going to stay. You've got to see the movie to understand that. Um, but anyway, so uh, these elements that, that, that all great leaders share, I think we forget about those that are more of emotional qualities, right? The compassion, the desire for their, their staff um, to, to engage or, or to have some personal development. You know, Captain Lee talked about having fun, letting the staff have fun. So all these things are really, really vital components to great leaders. We often hear only the more, um, I don't know, let's just call it quote-unquote manly or type A type qualities of a leader. Assertive and confident and you know, so on and so forth. But we don't look at the full picture. We don't see the full rounded you know, ball of leadership. We're only seeing half that, that, that sphere. And when you get to the bottom end of it and you're looking at the whole picture and you see that good leaders are compassionate, good leaders care, good leaders want to teach and impart their knowledge on others 
because they know that, yes, it will benefit them, but it's also going to make their staff and their employees better at what they do. And they're willing to give that knowledge. They're willing to give that uh, information, not simply because it's going to put more dollars in their wallet. But, you know, in today's world, I, I could ask you guys out there, how many of you work for a boss or supervisor that really cares? How many of you can say that your boss or supervisor is a great leader or a great manager? How many of you out there want to do your best because you know your boss or supervisor cares about you? How many of you out there just go to make your paycheck, get your paycheck every Friday or every other Friday, and go home and not think about work on the weekend? Right, And I think that the overwhelming majority of today's workforce goes to work for a paycheck. They would do whatever they could to avoid having to do any extra work. Why? Because they hate the work or do they hate the leadership? Do they hate the management? Because I know that, you know, in my experience, when you treat people the right way and you sort of show them your vision, they want to help. And it makes such a tremendous and positive team that you can overcome obstacles that you didn't think were, were possible before. So, you know, that quality, that, that secondary quality, let's call it the emotional quality to being a leader, is overlooked and it needs to be addressed. And that's, you know, when we talk to Captain Lee again, we're going to get more into that element of his leadership style. Um, but it's very important to understand that. And also, great leaders empower followers and encourage them to be creative. And that is also important. You know, you've got to give people some freedom. Um, you know, you've got to give them some responsibility. You've got to give them that support to know that, hey, listen, you're going to do this on your own because I believe in you. I'm here to help you, but I believe in you. I know you can do this. And I think that that's an important you know, element because you cannot be a successful leader if you are a micromanager. Not going to happen. Right? Micromanagers are the antithesis of leaders. They've got to have their hand in everything. They've got to stand over your shoulder and watch everything you're doing because they want it done exactly the way they want it done. Now, that's not to say that there shouldn't be rules. Captain Lee's got rules. These are my rules, and this is what you're going to do. But he also empowers people. He gives them the ability to go out and make suggestions and do things um, you know, that are going to, to benefit the crew, themselves, and ultimately you know, the team in general. And you know, in, in the next few weeks... We have, I think it's actually in December, we have uh, Captain Michael Abershoff, who is going to be on the show, and he's going to be talking about leadership uh, as well. And uh, for those of you that don't know, um, Captain Abershoff is an officer in the U.S. Navy and was the commander of the USS Benfold, uh, the ship that in the, in the Navy outranked all others. And he took this ship from the worst, bottom of the barrel, to the best in the fleet. 
And one of the things that um, Captain Abershoff talks about in his books is about giving people the ability to go out and to try to do something on their own without micromanaging. And so when we talk to him in the next few months, we're going to talk to him specifically about that. But getting back to um, uh, Dr. Riggio's article, uh, we're now into the fourth characteristic, the fourth question, and he says, is leadership situation specific? In other words, if you're a successful leader in one area, such as at work, will you also be one in the community or with a different company? And um, you know, he talks about all the research that, that's, uh, that's been done on this topic. And you know, basically what he's saying is that the skills that you have as a leader, the skills, the qualities, if they're real skills and qualities, they will transfer. Okay, So if you are a good leader, a good manager at company A, and you leave, you're going to be a good leader or manager at company B. Because again, remember, it's not that, here's the book, here's the book of knowledge, here's the book of leadership. It's having those qualities, characteristics, having experience, and then being able to apply it to a situation to see what's working and not working, to see what you can do with certain people that you might not be able to do with others, who you can talk to in certain ways, who you can't, while maintaining your management style. So I think that's an important um, uh, point to make with respect to Dr. Riggio's article, that it does translate. So a leader is a leader is a leader regardless of where they are. And that's not because they've learned the special rule to being a leader. It's because of, of, of the you know, overall experience and characteristics. So if you're compassionate at work as a leader, won't you also be compassionate at home? Or vice versa. You know, if you're compassionate at home, doesn't some of that compassion translate over into your leadership roles or management you know, roles? I think that, that the reason people hate Bill Lumberg and the reason people hate most managers is because they don't care about you at all. And when you know they don't care about you, why do you want to work with or for them? They make your life feel insignificant. And really, who are they? They're lacking leadership qualities and management skills, yet they will go and they will make your life miserable. They will degrade you. They will keep you down in order to make themselves feel better. And that is not the quality of a leader. A leader feels confident enough to impart knowledge on on their, their co-workers and, and the people that, that are underneath them. Not somebody that wants to keep it all in their pockets and not let anybody know for fear of what? That they're going to take your job? That's not a good leader. That's a bad manager. And I think it's really important that you know, we gain an understanding if we're going to continue to have these discussions about management leadership and how to be better at your business – I don't care if you are the owner of a very small pizza joint or if you are the CEO of a, of a large company. These discussions are relevant. If you own a pizza shop and you've got three people working for you, are you that manager? Are you Bill Lumberg? 
or are you a leader? Are you Captain Lee? And that's what you've got to ask yourself. Who do you want to be? You know, amazing statistic that Captain Lee talked about. While he owned the restaurant, he kept the same crew, the same team from start to finish. How many of you in business today can say that? How many of you can say that the same team you started with is with you right now? Right? We've talked in the past when we we talked about human resources on some of our interview shows. When you leave or lose staff, right, it's going to cost you so much money to replace that staff member. Well, how? Well, there's the shortage in, in your workforce, right, while you're trying to replace. There's the time spent in interviewing, reviewing resumes. Then there's time spent after you hire in training. And then you've got to allow some sort of grace period to, to let this person who's now taken over this job sort of lo- learn the ropes. So how much money does it cost? Well, we've talked about that, and I'm not going to get into the stats. That's available on some of our other broadcasts uh, where we've had human resource discussions. Lou Adler, for example, uh, there's a show we did recently with Lou Adler, and he talked about the cost associated with having to replace workers. Well, I mean, Captain Lee should get an award for keeping the same team together. And that is a testament to his leadership skill. That's what we need to be focused on. How many of you guys out there you know, have a small business? You're a, a hair salon. You're a plumber. You're a, a pizza place. How many employees do you go through on an annual basis? How many people stick with you? How many people want to work with you and are happy when your business succeeds? If the answer is one or none, you're doing something wrong. You know, sure, let's let's just stick with the pizza joint example for a minute. It's easy to go to work, make the pizza, don't really give a crap about the people that work with you. They're replaceable, right? They're kids. You can go hire another kid. Well, you really can't. Eventually, people are going to know what kind of person you are, and they're going to say, hey, that guy's a jerk. I don't want to work with him. So, you know, while it might work for you in the short term, is it going to bring you ongoing success in your business? I don't think so. I think you're going to find that people don't want to work with you and that when you do hire somebody and they drop the pizza, they're not going to call you and say, oh, hey, Fred, I dropped the pizza. You know, it was my fault. Um, you know, do you think we could whip up another one for this, this family that ordered it? They're not going to say that. They're going to give the family the pizza with no cheese on it because it all fell off into the side of the box, and they're going to go back to your store. And when the family complains, you're going to say they're going to say to you, "I didn't do it. Nope, I didn't drop it. Mm-mm. No, I was careful." Because they don't care about you because you don't care about them. Make sense? So I don't care how big or small your company is, if you don't round out those leadership qualities with that compassion. With that, that real concern and care. Now, I'm not saying adopt everybody that works with you and take on all of their problems because you can't do that. But you can show respect and compassion and, and a genuine interest in other people that's going to translate into a stronger team. And when you find that team, you need to work hard to make sure 
that you don't lose it. Because you want to keep that cohesive unit. It's going to make you better. All right, Bill Lumbergs are a dime a dozen. They're out there in every grocery store. They're out there in most retail establishments. You guys that work for Bill Lumberg, you know, right? You know, as a matter of fact, all of you out there who work for Bill Lumberg, why don't you let me know? Contact us on social media. You know, do it through Facebook, Twitter, you know, however you want to do it. Go to utlradio.com. All the links are at the top of the page. Let me know your experience with Bill Lumberg. Tell me how Bill Lumberg made you come in on Saturday and say, and how that makes you feel about Bill. So share your experience. Let me know. I want to hear about this. We're going to talk about this next time with Captain Lee. And I want to be able to take some of your comments you know, and, and share your Bill Lumberg experience with him. And let's see what he thinks about it. All right, that's going to do it for today. Uh, again, I appreciate so much Captain Lee being on the show. Really, really a nice guy with a lot of information and a lot of things that we can take from him. So we're going to work on getting him on for part two of uh, this this interview concerning leadership and management. Uh, I think he's he's you know got some other obligations to get through in the next week, but I think we're going to have him back very soon so we can conclude this interview. Uh, also, I want to remind everybody again how critical your feedback is. Don't be afraid to engage us in social media. We're out there. We put ourselves out there because we want you to interact. I want to know what you think about things. It allows us to do shows like this, to get great, get great guests on, and then to be able to give you information that's going to help you in your business and personal life. But if you guys don't interact, I'm going to just give you what I think you want. I'm not going to give you what you need. So, you know, please, go ahead and continue to engage. All of those who have engaged, I want to thank you sincerely for taking the time to listen to this show live, to download this show at a later date, and to comment. Because your comments don't go unnoticed. They're appreciated. And it helps us shape the future shows. And, uh, you know, continue to, to, to get out there and contact us um, because we're really, really learning from you guys. And hopefully you'll see over time these shows are, are giving you the information that you need. So I want to thank all of you, all of those people who submitted questions for Captain Lee this week. I've tried to work some of them into the discussion with him, but we're going to have him back on, and I'm going to try to get through your questions. In the meantime, if you have additional questions for Captain Lee, if for some reason you were unable to get your question in before today's show, You've got extra time. You've got an extension. So go out there and get your questions in. We'll you know, compile them all. And um, you know we'll talk to him hopefully in the next few weeks. We'll get him back on. So uh, that'll do it. I want to remind you to tune in next Monday, our regular scheduled weekend review with my co-host Bob Hughes. Uh, we're going to be talking Monday about... Halloween liability, we mentioned it last week, and some of the other relevant topics and things that have gone on in the legal world and business world. Um, don't forget to download all past episodes. Don't forget to subscribe. Subscribe to our broadcast directly on iTunes, and every time a new episode is, is uploaded or, or you know airs, you're going to be able to just get that automatically and then listen to it at your leisure. 
Also want to remind you about the app. We talk about it all the time, and we've seen a major uptick and a lot of people using it, and, and I thank you for that. Uh, but this is a, 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 I don't want to say gift, but it's for you. We don't get anything from the app. It's a free app. No, no money, no in-app purchases, no sponsors, no nothing. It's an app meant for you to be able to access our full video library, to listen to this show and all of our other radio programs live on the air, to interact with us. There is a feature on the app that allows you to ask a lawyer a question. So you can do it right from your iPhone or iPad. And you're going to be able to ask a question directly to a licensed lawyer in our office. And someone's going to get back to you. And I have to tell you, we, we recently conducted a poll of all those people that submitted questions. And we, we wanted to know from them, how do you like the service? And they love it. And I'm really so appreciative of the kind words that we received from all of those who asked questions. We answered them. And uh, it's just really nice to know that we're doing the right thing for you guys. So I appreciate that. But again, head on over to the iTunes Store. It's exclusive on the iTunes Store for the iPhone and iPad. And download the free app. Just search Law Offices of Peter Lamont. And you'll find the app there. And, uh, you know, explore it. There's also lists for statute of limitations. We're trying to make some upgrades and uh, amendments to the app. We're going to add some more states with statute of limitations so that that's there for you. So uh, follow that and, and look for um, uh, updates to the app in the near future. All right, hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. We look forward to having Captain Lee back on in a few weeks. I want to remind everybody, tune in Monday, tune in next week. Uh, next week, we've got Amy Applebaum on the show. That's going to be a great show, too. We're going to talk about women in business. You know, this show is going to be dedicated next week to women in business and how, if you're a woman in today's world, right? we've all seen the commercials, um, especially if you're in the tri-state area, where one of, I believe it is a state senator, is on talking about how women still make 70 cents to the dollar for men, and there's this whole idea of, of inequality that still exists for women. And we're going to talk to Amy Applebaum next week, and we're going to talk to her about women in the entrepreneurial business world and what we can learn, what lessons are out there. So if you're a woman, if you're in business, you should make sure you tune in next Thursday, and you're going to be able to call into the show, 347-855-8831, and ask Amy questions. She's going to be happy to answer them. We're going to have a really nice, lively, and informative discussion with her next Thursday. In the meantime, check out our prior episodes that are available. Last week, we spoke to Fabio Viviani. Fabio, by the way, was just on the uh, Andy Cohen Live show last night as the guest bartender. If you want to learn more about Fabio and his new book and his um, take on uh, success in business, download last week's episode available now and uh, you know, submit your questions. Thank you again for listening. And remember that there's power in understanding the law. 